The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show is real talk with special guests, including industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. Our guest today is a woman I've been a friend with on Facebook for quite a few years. I love her heart and her drive, and she shines a light on a subject that's been hidden for way too long. Jacqueline Aludo is the CMO, founder of Real Beauty, Real Women, CEO of Pick It Up Pictures, and creator of the NIMBY Experience Doc Series, a visionary, hybrid producer, creator, director, and activist dedicated to eradicating violence, poverty, homelessness, and abuse. I'm very happy to welcome my friend, Jacqueline Aludo. Yay! How's that, how's that for a big welcome. New York? Welcome. Yes, welcome Thank to you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, you're so welcome. Welcome to the One Tough Mother Show. We're, we're always about anything that has to do with women and children. Um, we kind of skirt the issues of politics and religion, and religion because... I don't. I want to deliver good news, and and this not that this is good news, but I want to have things that can help people, not just things that tear people apart. Sure. So that's yeah, what we're, our show's always looking to do. So let's just start from the beginning. So back in two thousand, you started work on the documentary, right? Titled "Not in My Backyard," and it received numerous accolades. You screened it in Washington D.C., and NIMBY received a standing ovation, ladies, a standing ovation from the World's Women Conference of Shelters from over 60 delegates of other countries representing women and children. What was the meat of the documentary? Tell us what the documentary was about. Well, can I just say something? They should have received a standing ovation yeah, after absolutely. that because yeah. it was just beyond when I watched it. So tell us, Jacqueline, Thank what you. is it about? Thank you so much. Um, the documentary is about, I had decided that I wanted to show how Women, battered women and children were living in America. Um, over 50% of homeless people in America are women and children fleeing abuse. And so I had decided to go across America and spend seven years filming in shelters where battered women and children were seeking refuge. And basically along the way, I found so much more than I thought I would. Um, I not only found that battered women and children and the laws, it's a misdemeanor to beat your wife. Um, it's also a misdemeanor to make graffiti. So I found out just how broken our system was, but then I found out that the organizations and the shelters that were serving these much-needed communities and people were on the brink of closing down because as demands are rising, funding is staying the same. Right. Um, and so for me, that was like uh, very startling uh, it was something that we wanted to really show the difference of what will happen to women and children if these shelters do close down. And just if we're going to break the cycle of violence, poverty, homelessness, and abuse in America, we need organizations that are serving much-needed communities and understand all the dynamics that go into it. And it so rocked me to it, my core. You have to pay, right, Jacqueline? I didn't know this. You have to pay to be in a, in a shelter? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of shelters that you have to pay for or the state um, the state will pay for you. If you make a certain amount of money more, then you do have to pay. Right. It's kind of like a public defender. Um, you know, if you just make a little bit more, uh, you know, then you will have to pay. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's really some things that you just wouldn't think 
uh, are laws, and they are. And when you find out, you're kind of startled by it. Can I ask you, what is the largest, what, what's the one that hit you the most that you went, that can't be right? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, my largest thing that I, that really troubled me because I have a large focus in the foster care system was in certain states when women call MM1 for domestic violence, um, automatically, well, actually in every state, automatically, um, CPS is called for the foster care system. And in the foster care system, once you have a domestic violence, um, charge on you or case, the mother can get cited for neglect yeah, yeah, that, for her child watching her be abused. That's disgusting. And I thought, <laughs> but the father still has rights. And mm-hmm. so I thought, you know, that that was um, just really troublesome to me, that how can you cite a mother with neglect who's calling 911 for um, being beaten by her spouse? And then in certain states like California, if they don't know who's telling the truth and two parties are pointing the finger, they take the children that night. And so what happens is, is that a lot of women will never call right, because 911. They, they, they want to lose their kids. They want to lose their children. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's disgusting. So wait, what, what sparked you to do this? What sparked you to do this project? Because this wasn't funded by someone. You funded it, right? Yeah, I saved, when I was younger, I saved $20,000 in quarters bartending. That was before debit cards. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so I had decided, um, I remember one night, I put myself through college, and I always worked in this restaurant pub in Edgewater, New Jersey. And I always volunteered. My mom always had us volunteering for stuff, and we grew up poor. So we had a lot of people help us along the way, and I just really thought, gosh, when I'm in a position to do something, I want to really be able to help and serve other people, too. And um I remember one night we were having a conversation in the restaurant and we were talking about domestic violence and and poverty in America um, with a focus on children. And this gentleman said, well, you know, all we're going to do is talk about this. You know, no one's ever really going to make a difference about it. Mm. And that bothered me. I was like, I am going to make a difference about it or I'm going to try to. Right. And I decided that I was going to make this documentary. I didn't know I would spend seven years filming in shelters across America. I met my mentor. She was the first woman to open a battered women and children shelter in North America. She lived in New Jersey. um, And she really inspired me because she was one of the first activists that I had ever met that that really lived what she was saying. And which one was Um, that, Jacqueline? uh, Sandra Ramos. Okay. From uh, Strength in Our Sisters. Okay. Yeah, because I... Good. I'm sorry, because I when I'm watching it, you have several women from different positions in um, the system, system, and I'm telling you yeah. right now, they, they they blow my mind because it, you guys become so emotionally vested in what you're doing. I mean, it's just got to be very difficult to to watch and hear and listen to these. It was difficult for me to watch it, and I watched it like three or four times. Let me let me tell you something. This is tough, Mother Lisa. I I started watching it. I call Karen, hysterical in tears. I go, Karen, I can't. I I just can't watch Mm. this right now. It was nighttime, and it brought back memories for me that I thought I had suppressed, which I guess I didn't. And then Mm. when I watched it again, I mean, I literally sat there so riveted 
I, I couldn't turn my, and what you said about the mothers getting their children taken away, I mean, you're calling 911. It's not your fault your husband's hitting you, and you're trying to protect your children by calling the police, yet they can be taken away. And then the graffiti misdemeanor comparison right. blew my mind. Well, Jacqueline, you had a bunch of statistics. Do you Can you tell us some of the stats that you had in the show? Which, these blew my mind. Yeah. Stats always blow my mind because somewhere they're documented as statistics. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it, it just right. blows my mind. Um, I, I mean, sure. Uh, <clears throat> on record, they'll say every 12 seconds, you know, a woman is beaten somewhere in America. Uh, I really believe it's every nine seconds. I think you're uh, right. And so, to me, that was troubling. Over four women are murdered a day, you know, due to um, domestic violence and family assault. For a day. It's, a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and, I mean, that number is really growing so high, but, you know, just with doing our film now, just seeing about, you know, women and children, you know, being exploited in a whole different way, um, how many women and children are murdered or raped and they're not you know 50 percent of rapes are not reported and right, so a lot of times when these women are assaulted by their husbands um they don't even report them and so in america you know they say women's raped every 25 seconds you know i think that's really like every 12 seconds mm-hmm. but um the the statistics are scary because it's the united states of america but what bothers me the most is that our court system is so broken, and it really has become um, a cash register. It is, and most of the true. time, mm-hmm. these yep. men can afford, you know, like proper attorney, uh, private investigators, and mm-hmm. expert witnesses, and you know, the women can't. And so it's so biased. Um, a lot of times, the women are like petrified to sit across from their husband. And I mean, these are all things that the court understands. And if they don't, then they really should. Because it's such a huge epidemic, and it's a huge epidemic that that affects our country and our world and our societies and our community that we should be understanding this. You know, if you look at dating domestic violence in high school, you know, one in five teenage girls are being abused. You know, these are like startling numbers. And so, like, we're we're, we're clearly not doing It doesn't feel like it's getting any better. It's getting worse. No, it's getting worse. Which, yeah, I mean, I thought (laughs) when that film came out, I really thought that, you know, like the awards are great and and everything, but it bothered me because we really didn't make an impact. I wanted us to change laws. I wanted women to be so outraged that we banded together and they didn't. And that's that's how Real Beauty for Women came about, because I sat back and I was like, well, what will get Americans to stand up together? And it was beauty, glamour and entertainment. And so I said, well, let's, let's create a website, you know, Real Beauty, Real Women. And it's where beauty, glamour, entertainment, and innovation meet activism and social responsibility. Yeah, because that was and a great that, idea that what you did with, she did with Real, real Beauty, Real right. Women. Because that's, the, that's where the attention lies in the society right now. It's like, what's cute, what's pretty, yeah. what you're wearing. And if you cross and, and, right, you come in, it's soft in a way, because the, the, the documentary is so beautifully done, by the way. Um, oh, thank, oh my gosh! Thank you. That was my first film, so I watched it and I, yeah, I cringed because I thought, oh, I, I <laughs> everybody done this does better, that. and I should have done that better. Yeah, no, um, but no, but it, it's it's raw. It's and it's very very real, and that's what people need to see. But sometimes you have to come in soft for them to sort of be able to pay attention, right? 
because they're scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah abs- you know? I mean, absolutely. So that's a great idea. And, um, with Real Beauty, Real Women, it was funny because when I started it, that, I started out in 2007, you know, people were like, oh, you can't make activism sexy and giving back glamorous and get people to talk about sex trafficking and domestic violence and racial injustices. And I said, I, I am. I, I, I think I know how to do it. And now it's like you see all these fashion for a cause, philanthropy and fashion. Yeah. And I'm like, now, now it's everywhere. It's excellent. Um, it's excellent. I'm glad that, that, but, that you thought it up. And I'm glad that people are starting to to jump on because the fact of the matter is it's a multi-billion with a B dollar industry beauty and if you yeah. just want a tenth of that for what you're doing it's it's amazing not even a fifth of that would be fabulous you know what I loved well, too yeah. I'm sorry go ahead no no, no I'm sorry say, what say, I really loved was how you flash back to like the 50s the mm. the parents and the women and men from the 50s and then you came into the current and then you shown everyone because everyone from every background is is um you know affected by this people white collar communities blue collar communities all types of ethnicities it exists everywhere Everywhere. and you covered that thank you well it's it's very um you know when i started diving into all the laws and, and sitting down with lawyers and everything um it was amazing how in America, there are stricter laws for, for property mm-hmm. versus women and children. Yeah. And so once you see that it's so systemic, you understand why it's, it's very widespread and that the value on women and children are so much less. It's um, unreal. And that we need, to, we need to change that. And I always say to people, like, we need a conscious culture. We really um, do. It's mm. not going to be our government because no. our government is a corporation you know they're profiting off of everything and so when you profit it's hard you know for humanity but my goal is really i hear all these women they talk about women empowerment i get invited to all these conferences and speak on it and i really don't do it a lot because i think that even as women like we've lost what empowering means like we lost what a true sisterhood means and What's your definition? That's something that's important to me, that that women, all women come together and help young girls and help each other. And what does that look like for you? What what would be the ideal situation as we move towards a healing, right? So for me, that looks like when we do any kind of events or on Saturday, we did a whole conscious entertainment panel with um, some churches and um, this organization called The Good Gang. Um, we really taught the kids about conscious entertainment, but we, we made it about them. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times at these women conferences or things, I feel like it becomes about the, the individual. Mm-hmm. And with our organization, we really want to shine a light on all different women and their platforms. And so at Real Beauty Real Women, we have the socially conscious fashionistas, and we'll have everyone from Dorinda Walker, who's the senior vice president of Prudential, to Michelle Thornton, who's the senior vice president of BET Centric, mm-hmm. to my mentor, Sandra Ramos, who's 72, um, who's the executive director of Strength and Our Sisters. And we have fashion, we have beauty, but we really shed a light on them. And I love at our events where my, my biggest thing, the thing I get most excited about with our last campaign is we just rolled out with a lipstick for Real Beauty Real Women. It's, for the, it's a lipstick for the socially conscious fashionistas. The socially conscious fashionistas are women that love to look good and feel good, but understand that the most fashionable thing and the most beautiful thing in the world is making a difference. 
Mm-hmm. And so we highlighted um, different women in different cities. We got over 50,000 nominations. And our lipstick campaign is called Pucker for Change. And it's women who are changing the world. Oh, like That's great. And I like it's, really, that. it's very pretty stuff. I've yeah. seen it. It's very pretty. Thank you. It's a lipstick pencil and a lipstick in one. It's made in America, animal cruelty-free. Um, we wanted to make sure that even though it's conscious, that it's a beautiful product right. so that women also love it. It is um, really that they know that they're making a difference. But what I love is when we do these campaigns, the women get all sit and talk in a circle about what they do. And then I love how they start bonding and they go off and they do other side projects mm-hmm. where they're making a difference or they're creating magic. And, you know, one of our big things is, you know, I love to say, find your magic and share it with the world. And to me, that's empowering women is helping them find their magic and then having them share it with the world. And when you're comfortable enough and happy enough that you want other women to shine, um, that so true. to me is what it, is women's empowerment. It's great because we've done it. Actually, we've been invited to listening parties where people listen to our podcasts with us there. It's powerful. Very powerful. How all these women in a room will open up and say things in front of their colleagues and bosses and friends they've never spoken about. It. Everybody's either crying and hugging and supporting each other. We are going to be doing more listening parties around the city where we go to a corporation and that's what we do. We listen to part of our podcast or our podcast. Then the women at the corporation discuss it. And it's amazing watching these women all of a sudden just blossom and say, I never told anyone, but I was raped or I was abused or mm-hmm. I, w- I was anything. And it just blows your mind that they get it off their chest. I think there's such power in the in a safe room, a safe space to be vulnerable because a lot of people don't think that po- there's power in vulnerability, but there is a lot of power when you can own where you've been, what's happened to you, where maybe you're stuck at that moment. And you know what, Karen and Lisa, I think there's going to come a time where we're going to be in a room and one person or two people are along the way are going to say, I'm in abu- an abusive relationship. Please help me. I right. was just going to comment on that because what did we talk about? The silence is worse than the violence. Correct. So by doing yeah. these listening parties around the city it's there might be a woman that again has nobody to talk well, we to. we actually had a woman call in one day who was a friend of one of ours and we're not going to see who but was a friend of one mm-hmm. of ours and she called in to say talk about her friend was in a very abusive relationship halfway into the call she burst into tears and started telling us it, it was, was her. her yeah we mm. we found her at a woman's shelter she went to that evening mm-hmm. real close to her home we got her help because believe me when it's your friend and all of a sudden they, they just burst into tears and start saying it's you that's pretty mind-blowing and pretty leveling a lot of women yeah, that yeah. Really good. i mean i think and i think that's a big thing that we ha- we have to what i try to what i try to put in all of the documentaries what i do put on the, doc- the documentaries is you show the issues and you show all the dynamics right from all the perspectives but there are solutions i mean it's like if you could find a cure for cancer you would find it you know i mean i'm sure there is one but i'm saying if if you said to a person i can cure your family member of cancer you would say yes Mm -hmm. and so we know that there are solutions to ending you know domestic violence and poverty and homelessness and if you give people the tools and the resources and you know actual like trauma therapy that they need they can heal and they can break that cycle so that they don't pass it on to their children and their children and their children 
Um, but there's no money in that. So even right. though domestic violence will cost over $5 billion a year for hospitals and unpaid bills, and, and, and um, it will come out of our taxes and our Social Security, um, we we could put just $1 billion right. into actually, you know, crisis centers mm-hmm. where we're healing people, and so we can start breaking these cycles, but we don't. And so for me, that's probably the most frustrating part is knowing the solutions and saying to people and going to Washington and, and being here in Texas and going to the Capitol and saying, here are solutions. Like, this is what is working. Why can we not put funding into this? This, this other way is not only are we just wasting money, but a lot of times we re-victimize the victim. Yeah. And instead of breaking a cycle, we're perpetuating it. Absolutely. I know. That, that's so frustrating. It's mm-hmm. horrible. And you know what you just said about about children is when I read that the that the United Way ranks domestic violence as the leading cause of birth defects, leading cause. We're raising another generation on this. Do you understand what I'm saying? And a, and yeah. a whole and another, another generation another, yeah. is watching their mothers, sisters, mm-hmm. aunts, grandmothers yeah. get abused. And there was the woman in the doc in the documentary who her husband was responsible for the death of the twin girl. Right. I was clear that. Oh yeah, from beating her so bad, yeah. So that's I mean, sad. and that's actually um for whatever reason, some women for the first time will get beat when they're pregnant. Yeah. Um which is scary. Um you know, it's really a question of um, really how men view women and how women view themselves. Yeah, correct. And I think that it's a huge part of our media. I mean, I, I work with rape victims, and I cannot believe the things that I hear women say. Well, what was she wearing? Or she shouldn't have put herself She asked for it. And Still. I'm like, really? I'm like, wh- how can you say that? Like, no matter what I'm wearing, no one has the right to put their Ever. hands on me. Ever. And if I'm alone with a man and I say, don't do this to me. You mean it. That, exactly. That, that's, that should be it. So I think that something else that's frustrating for me is it's not only the male's viewpoint. It's that we've been so programmed by our media and by, you know, this manipulation that when you hear other women say, you know, she asked for it, or, you know, yes means no, or she shouldn't have worn that, that to me is even worse because as a woman, that's one of the, the most horrific things that can happen to you. And, and as a mother, I have a child, mm-hmm. and um, I would pr- go to jail because I would probably kill someone. Exactly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hands down. And, and, and if I ever heard another woman say that, I mean, it's just our lack of, our place of blame to victims is something that, it makes me wonder, like, how much hatred and how angry we are um, in this world, and, like, where have we gone wrong? And we need to just change, and we really need to change this, um, where we uplift each other and try to understand each other and really kind of start peeling back like why are we so angry why would another woman say that 
and a lot of it's generational actually older women like the older generation they'd be like well you shouldn't have done that or you shouldn't have made him mad or you shouldn't have worn that right. she asked it for it, it down. it's coming generational it's, it pa- it's, it's gotta down, stop yeah. it's some generation well, it's how, got you, to it's like well, I will never forget when my ex said to me I told you not to talk to me I didn't have my coffee something so stupid as not right. having a cup of coffee set him off. Just right. totally. Which is which is ridiculous. Like clearly right. <laughs> um and and what would be more ridiculous is that there would be someone on the other side saying, Well he told you, you know, not to talk to me. Exactly. There will yeah. always be Bam. somebody that's, that's it, always right be there. someone that says yep. that. You are a hundred percent right because you know. they did say it. But and, it's, it's, and that's we actually dealt with um there there's you know, I focus a lot with sex trafficking. And one of the the girls, well, she's a woman now that I work with. There's a big publicized story, the FBI found her. And she said to me that, and she was 13 and she was kidnapped by a man. <laughs> and he did child pornography and he was going to murder her. He left her in a cage that, that oh my people in her town were like, well, she shouldn't have left with him or she's maybe 13. she asked for it. I'm like, you're talking about a 13-year-old child. And, and that, to me, just um, just really makes me question, really, we need to start focusing on how are we going to change our mindset exactly. in this country. Exactly. People, you know, I think that people have to actually really consciously do the work because we've, we're getting hit with subliminal messages all the time, even in music. You know, music or oh, entertainment. Yeah. You see the girls and they're singing, you know, they're singing whatever the song it is. And then granted, the track is banging, but the lyrics are just completely and totally not okay. But they're out in the club and they're singing. And yeah, the kids Jack are listening to them. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, and that is seeping into the subconscious that they're supposed to be objects, right? And objectified. Right. That, you know. Yeah, well, I think we worked together when Tipper Gore, remember Tipper Gore? I went do. on a major campaign against lyrics. Yeah. And but this but yeah. please please let please let me be clear. I'm not saying that we should be censoring anything. I'm saying that we need to be more mindful of what our children are listening to. Uh, you know. I, and I absolutely agree. If you're an adult, you. But um, I even notice it with me because it's true. The tracks and the songs that they make incredible. Yeah. They put some crazy lyrics to crazy it. lyrics mm-hmm. yeah they're not putting like great lyrics to like great tracks so those are the songs that are you more like addicted to or you want to dance to um you but see- i noticed when my daughter started singing um one of rihanna's songs i was like oh wow like i can't and she must have gotten it because it was just playing in the car that's it and mm-hmm. i really like rihanna but it's not that's a lot of her songs are not for a child to listen they're to. Not, exactly. And then you, then there, there they are, and their children are sponges, right? They soak up everything. They soak up what you're doing. They're listening to you talk. You, you subtake the, anything. They ha- watch how you interact how with you each interact. other. Everything. I, my goddaughter has just turned two this weekend, and we were trying to figure out she, the way she's just learning to talk, and she's just she's gesturing all over the place and pointing hand on the hips and everything and then we realize i don't know where she's getting that and then the next thing you know my girlfriend's talking just with the hands going and the hand on the hip mm-hmm. and then, exactly like, yeah. that's she's mirroring that she mir- mirrors me too but that's because you know as parents and my kids are all older but i have grandchildren but as parents we've we've really fallen down in our job of censoring and, and protecting our kids from things because 
the internet, first of all, is good and bad. It's opened up alleys that have never, 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 in my years as a child, we never thought of or even mm-hmm. questioned. And you don't you do spend so much time at work and your job is so important because you have to raise a family, you have to provide for the family, you have to do for your family, and your children are left to their own devices. And they listen to the songs and they're on the internet and they listen to their friends. And it's sad that parenting isn't more of a skill set than it just having a child and just putting them in school, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, even, look, even with pre-K, I talked to my mom about this. My daughter's going to be four. My daughter <clears throat> has not gone into preschool or daycare. Um, I've been blessed and fortunate enough where um, well, we really sacrifice a lot of things in our, in our lifestyle right. so that I could really spend time, a lot of time with my daughter. I nursed my daughter since she was three years old, and that was like a huge issue for people. I was like, I'm breastfeeding. I'm not, like, you should worry about people like beating their children. Um, right. But, uh, but, but I said to my mother, like, when I was younger, was it a big deal to put your kid in preschool at three? Or like, they had to learn all this stuff. Um, I, I love that my daughter is a child. I love that she's gonna have fun. That's it. She's actually much smarter than I ever was, and she is a lot more advanced than your typical. She's gonna be four on Saturday. Um. But I, I, I don't want her to – pretty soon she's going to be in school and she's going to feel the pressures and she's going to – so as long as I can have her be a child, I'm going to have her be a child. But I think there's all these new rules now. Right. The child has to go to preschool at this age. You're, you know um, – They have to be able to tie their shoes, read the Bible, and all this right. stuff. Yeah. Seven sports. Yeah. I, I mean, we, I bake her cakes every year. But I have friends that I love and they're like spending $300 on a cake oh. for their three-year-old kid. And so, like, other parents feel the pressure. Yeah, and now and, it's... And it's, for it's, me, I, we're, this is where I'm blessed, and I have to thank my parents for this. I don't feel any pressure to do what other people are doing. Good. I feel what I need to do for my kid and pour as much love into her and confidence and pray that she will be happy, healthy, and kind. Well, you know, right. that's not because then you're raising an individual, right? And not somebody that's necessarily going to follow there the There has path. to be leaders. You're, yeah. you're raising a leader, which I'm super proud of my kids. My kids all have kids, and they're excellent parents. I'm really proud of the fact that they, they, they have them go outside and play, and they play with them, and they take them on walks, and they do things that we used to do when we had no money. And, of course, they do it because they want to do it with them, and the kids oh, love it kids. and enjoy it. And you can see the difference between my grandchildren and other children. Have them go out. Right. And, have them go out right. in nature. Get them off the. Get them off the video games and have them go out in nature. Let them learn how to play hopscotch and running bases. Exactly. Remember you know, jumping rope. How about double jacks and d- double yeah. jacks and jacks? Like yeah. something yeah. that's tactile, that's physical, that's fun, that uses their imagination. Mud pies. Anybody remember mud pies? Oh, I oh, love mud pies. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So Jacqueline, we're going to wrap this up, but we want to ask you, what's next? What's next for you? What what project are you working on? What are you bringing to us next? Okay, so I have a few projects. I have my NIMBY experience where celebrities go undercover and live their causes um, or do extraordinary things to make a difference. Um, we're, like, attaching virtual reality glasses to that to really give people an experience. Very cool. Happening. Very cool. Um, That's amazing. Then we have our pocket for change lipstick where a percentage goes towards um, programs really against violence against women and children, whether it's sex trafficking, education, um, or domestic violence, um, and then 
basically, those are my two biggest projects. Oh, I have a radio show that just came out on KYMD. Yes, I listened to it, and it was very good. Yeah, you did a really nice yeah, job. Yeah, stream it live on Facebook, and I really like that because that whole show is people making a difference through beauty, glamour, entertainment, innovation, and activism, and social responsibility. And so you get to see that, like, you can really make a difference and have fun. Like, giving back can be glamorous. Activism can be sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you you can, you know, I just did this conscious entertainment panel, and we talked about, like, how these children are going to make a difference. And with these kids, what they came up with was amazing. You know, because I do Fubu TV's conscious entertainment division, and now I'm over at KYND, uh 1520 and Genuine Journey, um, developing and building their whole conscious entertainment to show people like there's plenty of great shows out there, whether they're scripted, non-scripted, web series, doc series, um, all different formats that can change a mindset for the positive and make a difference. And it doesn't have to be boring. Um, A lot of times people watch program and they don't even realize that it's changing how you think. That's the best way to do it. But you exactly, but in a very entertaining way. So that that's that's really how I feel is going to be the biggest impact is when we merge entertainment with technology and innovation and, and, and activism, like creating a game to end racism, you know, like right. changing mindsets on people, you know, that, that stuff to me is so important. So that's a big thing that we're doing over with NIMBY and Real Beauty, Real Woman and just all of our socially conscious fashionistas. They're, they're so inspiring. And you also um, have your sex trafficking coming out right oh my god yeah yeah okay oh my gosh thank you for you're welcome (laughs) i'm just really interested in seeing that i can't wait so my big my my biggest cause right now is sex trafficking when i came out here three years ago it was really you know in 2015 a judge had found the child protective services here in texas to be 75 percent guilty of sexually exploiting abusing neglecting and putting children on opioids in Texas, and they had ordered them to reallocate and change their system. Well, 75% is huge. And what most Americans don't know is over 63% of U.S. children that are sex trafficked have either been in or on the foster care or welfare system. Mm -hmm. And so when people say, where did all our girls go? Or where, um, these are very easy children to exploit. Um, Poor children are so easy to exploit mm-hmm. and they don't have a voice and their parents don't have the resources and a lot of times they are single parents. Um, so they, they do not have the resources to help uh, find their own children. And so Houston is number one um, for multiple reasons. The border's right here. Mm-hmm. You have um, the third largest port in the world, two international airports, and then I-10, which geographically just runs across our um, country. And so it's kind of like the perfect storm and because laws are not correct in this country, meaning some people don't even realize that in a lot of states like New Jersey, um, child marriage is legal. If your parents say, if you're 14 years old, that you're going to marry that 40-year-old man, um, you're going to marry that 40-year-old man. Right. Uh, Governor Christie didn't refuse to pass it because he said that there was so many mixed cultures and religions and viewpoints, and he didn't want to impede on that. And my issue with yeah, that no. is... So if you if you if you're if you come over here and your culture is to be and kill women, is that going to be okay? Exactly. Like, we have laws, and we need to upstand those laws to protect our innocent um, children, being number one. And so, mar- child marriages 
should be illegal across the board and you should go to jail as a parent and as a person that wants to marry children. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely, because they can't stand up for themselves. Somebody has to do it. Absolutely. Isn't there something called statutory rape? Am I being ignorant here? But, I mean, really. Right. There's probably fine print. Yeah. Exactly. And another big thing is what most people don't realize is um, the hospitality industry really pays a lot of money, you know, over $100 million in funds to make sure that sex trafficking laws and prostitution laws um, are very mild. Right. And there it is right there. It's economics. And don't you think that, I mean, oh, a lot of times that's the yeah. only thing, that's the only thing a lot, a lot of times the corporations will understand is that their P&L, P&L sucks. Why? Because nobody's frequenting your business because your politics are wrong or what you're doing with, with, with your products or, all, or, or what you're condoning or you're lobbying for is wrong. It's socially, it's, a, it's morally wrong. Just because it's legally, well, yeah. because something's legal doesn't make it morally right to do. I, I, to me, I um, I have a problem with um, these conscious companies. They're not so conscious. Um, I think the issue that most people don't know is human trafficking is a hundred and fifty billion dollar industry. It will probably end up surpassing oil and water. Um, it, it is so huge. You know, the drugs on terror, which go hand in hand, what happened was a lot of drug dealers were like, well, you could sell drugs once or you could sell people 50 times a day. And we're going to go to jail a lot longer for selling drugs. Let's just sell people. Right, um, right, right. And that's, and that's horrible. And people don't understand the dynamics then of child prostitution. You know, children are getting arrested and, again, re-victimized because they're going to jail. When children, it's, they really, children can't be prostitutes. Even if now they're willing, they were victimized at some age to think that they should be. But again, everybody's making money. Your court system's making money. Your lawyers are making money. Your jail systems are making money. Um, and that's, that's not included in the $150 billion. Um, you know, then what goes along with your pharmaceutical companies are making money because they put these kids on anxiety medicine. Right. Um, and, and again, opioids, when really they need counseling and they need to be shown love and stability and people that are put in power to do the right thing by them. Um, And so I think this goes back to what I wish every American would know is that there's a big difference between corporatism and capitalism. And the United States is a corporation. Um, Every president is owned and paid for. You know, Obama was owned and paid for by the pharmaceutical company and Monsanto. Bush was by the oil and energy company. Um, who's ever lobbying for you and pays for your presidential campaign owns you. And so even if you wanted to make a difference, you really can't. And, and that's the problem. And so we, our foundation is set up where you won't be able to make a difference, starting with Congress, where they get their seats. They go in every two years. As soon as they get in, they have to lobby for corporations. Whoever pays for them, those are the bills that they're passing. And so that's why a cancer pill can cost $900. Correct. And these are issues that people say, well, that's capitalism. No, 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 no. Capitalism is not where your government can literally profit off of illness, selling children, or making a corrupt, broken system. That's not capitalism. That's corporatism, where we value profit over people. Don't you you think that it's up to us? 
it is up to us as 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 people in this country and as in the United States to really understand what's going on. And I'm glad that you're there to point it all out. I'm so happy that you came on our show. I appreciate it oh, as you. my friend and as of someone I really admire. The things you are doing are just amazing. And I really wish you'd be on our show again. We'd love to have you on again if you yeah, come back. Yeah, thank you for having me, Karen. And really, I love what you ladies are doing. It's so important. Oh, thank you, Jacqueline. And anything we can do to help you, please reach out to us. Um, you know where to find me, babe. <laughs> so. I do. I do. You, you ladies have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. You too, thank Jacqueline. You so much. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back, and it's time for Tough Mother Mail. But before that, Lise? It is sponsored by BMW, the ultimate, and I do mean ultimate, driving machine. <laughs> Love my BMW. <laughs> All right, Tough Mother Gail, what do you got today? All right, let's see. First one we've got is from Inked. Okay. Dear Mother, my boyfriend is the best, and I'm very happy with everything in our relationship. Last week, while at a festival, my boyfriend said I should prove to him that I love him by getting his name tattooed on my side. I said that I said that that was crazy to do, but he went ahead himself and got my name tattooed on himself. Now he says it's my turn. I don't have any tattoos at all, and I hate to say that I don't want my first to be that, so I've got so I haven't gotten it yet. Am I a bad girlfriend? Oh boy, Gail, do you have a tattoo? I don't. I want one though. Oh, okay. I L- want one. Lise, I have no tattoos, and I think if she needs an out, she could always say I'm terrified of needles if she doesn't want to hurt his feelings. Well, I have a lot of tattoos, and they're by choice. Right. Not something someone wanted me to put on them myself. I have no names. Not, oh, well, if I do this, you should do it too. Pressure, pressure, pressure. If you don't want a tattoo. Say no. Bingo. Just say no. Right. No. It's it. No should be the answer. Yeah. You don't need to be branded by him. If you're there, you're there. Exactly. Perfect. Thank you. Please uh, let us know what you think or write us and tell us how it went. Okay. <clears throat> Next one is from Katie. Dear One Tough Mother, do you remember the day that you no longer questioned that you were one tough mother? The day that you knew it was okay to date again. The day that you knew you would never be perfect and that was okay. The day that you knew you were doing everything you can, it was enough. Sending much love, an overwhelmed, single, working, lonely, 35-year-old mother of a godsend two-year-old son. Katie. Oh, When did you... When did we feel like tough mothers? I don't know. At some point, you just have to take control of yourself and your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you always feel tough? No. Sometimes you wake up and you're like, oh, geez, I just don't want to face something today or I don't want to do something. Every one of us has that in us. But when you feel tough is when you take control of yourself, you control of your emotions and what you're doing and how you feel and you're not afraid to voice it. I agree. I've, there's actually been a few times. One was when I left my abusive partner. And there's got to be others, but the most recent one was when I decided to leave a job that I did enjoy, but the stress was just beyond. And I said, you know what? I'm better than this. I want to do what I want to do, which was this podcast, among other things. And I left all the securities. Right, right. Gail? 
Uh, I think there have been several times. I think that um, for me, I just kept moving through things and didn't take a, the time to actually recognize that I actually was really being strong by standing up. Did I? Sometimes it was limping through. Sometimes I was dragging through, like you know that dog or the car. Right, thing. right. But I was making it through. I was making it through. I always get up. I right. always I fall down. I make mistakes. I get hurt. I get sick. But I get up. And I think it's in the getting up that and the being resilient that you realize you're tough. You show up. I believe that. And I think it's a process. Remember, it's not something you wake up and you throw your eyes open and you go, okay, that's it. I'm done. It's a process. Every little decision that you make on your own and to do something on your own or to stand up to something on your own, it just builds that much more confidence in you to continue to go on. So I agree. Well, Katie, we, we say great. Like, let us know how you're doing. We're here to support you. Okay, and we got one last one here. Dear OTM, I've never been comfortable in my own skin. I've always felt awkward and anxious in social settings. I can't seem to get my body how I want, do my hair or makeup how I want, or be the person that I'm around, that I am around my family. It's hard for me to connect with people, with anyone in school. I just feel alone. How can I build my confidence to get out and make friends? Okay. Um, I think I was that person um, when I was very young I was I am an immigrant I came to the United States when I was seven and I had a very heavy Trinidadian accent and, and I was unique <laughs> um, and I was bullied and I had a lot of anxiety because I felt that if I looked at people and they saw me looking at them, they would they would hurt me. Right, right. And so I started walking with my head bent. And so I would make eye contact. And my mom, who is one of the most amazing people I know, kept saying to me, Gail, raise your head. She would raise, like scream at me through windows and out the car, Gail, raise your head. And as the years went by, I started raising my head and I started to realize that those people who were treating me so badly were not people that I wanted to be with or wanted to be like. I didn't want to be anything like them and strange thing happened. I became such an individual. I leaned in to my uniqueness and anytime they wore red, I wore green or anything. I mean, I really went the other way and then I met other people who were like me who were unique they, we called ourselves the island of misfit toys oh that's adorable because we <laughs> realized we were all unique and we were beautiful yeah. anyway mm-hmm. right you know um and it's a, it's always a work in progress because you're sometimes your first reaction is to shrink but lean in and there's a wonderful exercise that um a woman by the name of louise hay i always talk about louise hay Love louise her. hay has an exercise that's called, basically called mirror work I want you to go and find her book, You Can Heal Your Life, or just look it up online and look up the mirror work because you have to love you. And then the wor- your world will change. You have to love you. Wonderful. So look up that mirror exercise. Thank you, Tough Mother Gail. We love that. And when we get back, we're going to have Tough Mother's Headaches and Headlines. And you're listening to The One Tough Mother Show. And you need to find us every time on Facebook. Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and OneToughMother.com, hashtag OTM, hashtag OneToughMother, and hashtag Tough Mothers. We're there. We'll be back.
Come find us. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back, and Seth has a cold, so if you don't hear from me much today, it's because all he does is blow his nose, cough, <laughs> and act like him. he's dying with a stupid cold, Seth. I'm Come okay. on. I'm okay. He just, oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he just wants some sympathy. That's all he wants. Okay, Aww. Lise, what do you got for us? I got Tough Mothers, Headlines, and Headaches today, sponsored by TLC Eye Centers. I should say TLC Laser Eye Centers. Take LASIK to the next level. Okay, so I, I love this. Melania Trump thanks Chelsea Clinton for defending son Barron from childhood bullying. Earlier this week, the Daily Caller published a story criticizing Barron for dressing too casually. The poor kid on a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. I saw off a he plane. looked like a regular 11-year-old. Yeah, he's a really. kid. He's a, thank you. I'll get there. The youngest Trump doesn't have any responsibilities as the president's son, but the least he could do is dress the part when he steps out in public. Ford Springer wrote in a piece entitled, It's High Time Baron Trump Starts Dressing Like He's in the White House. He is a child. He's not going to an inaugural ball. He was on a plane. Hands off the kid. So here, here's what Chelsea said. She tweeted, It's high time the media and everyone leave Baron Trump alone yeah. and let him have the private childhood he deserves. That's right. And Melania responded with her tweet, Thank you, Chelsea Clinton. So important to support all of our children in being themselves. And I just love the fact that the two of them had a moment. Yeah, I do too. That was, I, I love that because he's 11. Trump, oh, wait, Seth, do you have an 11-year-old? What is your kid, Sage? Almost 10. Okay, and does he dress in a three-piece suit? Uh, no. Okay. Make him look too, come on, it's no. ridiculous. Really? Okay. And by the way, he did look really nice at the inaugural ball. <laughs> okay, all right. So next, Walmart, Google team up to fight Amazon, which oh, I don't oh. think anybody's going to be a brawl. It's going to be a brawl. <laughs> sorry. You guys got it all out of your system? Can I go? Yeah, go. All right. <laughs> the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That was a famous quote. So starting late September, customers will be able to order hundreds of thousands of Walmart items through the voice control Google Assistant platform and Google Home Speaker. The partnership marks the first time Walmart has offered its wares off its own websites. The two giants hope it will help them compete against Amazon, which currently reigns supreme not only for online shopping, but for voice-controlled devices. Its Echo products accounted, listen to this, for 72.2% of the market last year. Google says over 20% of searches conducted on smartphones today are done through the voice commands and predicts voice shopping isn't far behind. Now listen to this. Did you know that if you bought $3,000 worth of Amazon stock in 1907, you would be a millionaire today? And kudos to them because they didn't start making money for 10 years. And everybody in what like, year? What year? 1997. Wow, I wish I'd bought it. I didn't get the memo. I didn't either. <laughs> that just bypassed me. I was very upset. I don't know if they're going to be able to catch them. I think they're going to. I don't think they'll catch them. No. Yeah, they're, they're gone. And then this... ESPN pulls Asian-American announcer from a Virginia football game because he has a Confederate general's name, Lee, an Asian, <clears throat> let me emphasize that, an Asian-American sportscaster who started with the network in 2015 was moved to a different game simply because of the coincidence of his name referencing Confederate General Robert E. Lee. 
Robert Lee was moved to announce the Youngstown State game in Pittsburgh as a result of the riot in Charlottesville. Can I just say something? Lee is a ridiculous common Asian name. I just think that's ridiculous. Everybody stop it, please. I, I know. Let yeah. us go. Cla- classic overthinking. Oh, oh yeah, 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 just, yeah. Exactly. Just, and then and then to, to to then move him out of his, yeah. his, his 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 no, it's just ridiculous. Okay, and Mel B, you gotta love her. Mel B storms off America's Got Talent stage after Simon Cowell wedding night joke. Mel B is going through a tough divorce, as we all know, and she was not amused by Simon. After magician Damien, oh boy, Adia. Sounds good. Close enough. <laughs> Go. Oh, that's right. Close his, enough. By the way, his trick went sideways. So Simon says, no pun intended, I kind of imagined this would be like Mel B's wedding night. A lot of anticipation, oh. not much promise or delivery. <gasps> Mel B's response? She just got up and launched a cup of water at Cowell and stormed off stage. He and by it. the way, this show was live, everybody. So, like, this happened. There was no editing. There no, was no it's, nothing. It's not this is what happened. Seven seconds later. And you sports. know what? Good for her. Who the heck is he to do that? Right. I would throw water in Seth's face. Yeah, really. <laughs> That's nice. I think the ratings were down. I think this is, <laughs> this yeah. is total Seth BS. Seth is always this conspiracy uh, theory guy. Oh, they did that on purpose. I saw it. I watched it. Yeah. It, didn't look too, it didn't look that authentic to it's me. All right, Chicky. Okay. So we got something for coping techniques. What do you got today? Five, four, three, two, one coping technique. First thing is focus on your breath. First, breathe in for five seconds, hold for five seconds, and exhale for five seconds until your thoughts slow down. Then you do the following. Acknowledge five things you see around you, however big or small, a bird, a pencil, a wall, whatever. Acknowledge four things you can touch that's around you, your hair, the ground, a pillow, etc. Then you acknowledge three things you can hear and not your thoughts because they will just kill you. A car, a clock, dogs barking, etc. Then acknowledge two things you can smell. If you're at work, they suggest you go to the bathroom, maybe smell the soap or the air freshener. Others could be flowers, a pillow, ink, etc. And then acknowledge one thing you can taste, maybe gum, possibly coffee, your lunch or dinner, etc. According to Jordan Killebrew, these five steps will ground you now and take you out of your thoughts in your head and help you get back into the now. And this is all about mindfulness, which yeah. is the new buzzword. And by the way, I'm reading a book on it, and it's fantastic. She's been trying to get me to read it. I'm trying to get her to read it. And you, I got one other it? thing. It's called, uh, I'll tell you in a minute. But I have one other thing that I learned. Anybody that gets an anxiety attack or a panic attack, count from 1 to 10, or if you're really in an attack, maybe 1 to 15, out of order the mind cannot focus on counting out of sequence and have a meltdown at the same time and i am proof positive i get an anxiety attack it is nine two seven one five eleven i mean karen saw me do yeah. it gail she see me doing 15 it. Right? i do this and it really does i work. actually tried it one time when i was really nervous about something i don't remember what it was but she told me and i was like oh man i'm so nervous about this she goes try this and it really did work this made me think of um eight six seven five three oh nine. Oh, Eight, Tommy six, two, seven, yeah. five, three, oh, nine. <laughs> <laughs> For all those who didn't know that. <laughs> We're dating ourselves, people. Yes. Okay, so uh, we got our new sponsor. We have Quickies, and we have the Village Voice no longer being in print. That sucks. I know. I like to pick it up. I like the smell of paper. I, know, I like to turn it around. It's know. not the same. I don't want to read it online. I know, and it's a legendary publication here in New York. But I don't want. I want. Bye, bye, Felicia. Sorry. <laughs> okay, Quickies. 
I love this man. Jerry Lewis died of heart failure mm. on Sunday at 91. Muscular dystrophy marathon that he has done for years is... I don't know who they're going to have replaced that. Then our friend, our new friend, Corinne Fox, did a four-page photo shoot in the 125th anniversary edition of Vogue magazine. Very Congratulations, Corinne. It's Congrats. really beautiful, too. George and Amal Clooney have donated a million dollars to combat hate groups. And we were just talking about this yesterday, all three of us. Prince has received his own custom color from the Pantone Color Institute. Pantone has created love symbol number two a shade of purple that matches the late singer's signature piano oh, i love that isn't that awesome yeah and all of this quickies and everything else new sponsor milano wigs ladies the most natural and undetectable wig oh my god i found these wigs because my mom as you all know is a stage three survivor of breast cancer so she was looking for a wig they're listed as a local resource for cancer matters in la and they've got three locations and gail one of them is in Brooklyn. Brooklyn's in the house. In the house. <laughs> They're also in LA and Long Beach, California. They use virgin European hair, which happens to me the most desired due to the texture. Premium promised, excuse me, premium processed human hair wigs. They have stylists who wash and style your wig. They'll give you keratin treatments, color treatments, trim it, anything you can imagine. They have four types of wig caps plus a wig grip comfort band to stay in place. And they have their Adorna collections, which includes hats with hair, baseball caps with hair, and berets. I'm getting Seth a, ca- a cap with hair. You want a hat with hair, Seth? Yes, please. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you right now, they do so much I can't even mention it all. However, I can tell you, go to MilanoWigs.com, Milano, M-I-L-A-N-O, Wigs.com, or visit one of their showrooms, or you can call them at 888 645 Three. They're, that's a great. That's a great sponsor. I'm glad that they're out awesome there. Awesome wigs. Can I say uh, one more person I'd like to add to the goodbye list? Okay. Uh, Dick Gregory passed away this weekend as well. And Dick Gregory was a wonderful comedian and a social civil oh. rights activist and a very very particularly powerful person for good. So good journey, oh. Jerry. Good journey. Yes. Mr. They'll be Gregory. in heaven now practicing. Good. Yeah. Okay, and thank you, Lisa. They were all great tips, and we're now to Mother Says. So our Mother Says today is... Wait. Wait. Milano Wigs wanted to also sponsor that because it's so inspirational. I love them. They're very (laughs) nice, very nice. Thank you, Lise. Mother Says is, I'm not a victim. No matter what I've been through, I'm still here. I have a history of victory. Remember that. You're not a victim. No matter what you've been through in your life, you're still here. Still You're still here. fighting. You're still standing. You have a history of winning victory. Have a great day, everybody, and thanks for listening. Again, you're listening to the One Tough Mother Show. And we are found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and OneToughMother.com. Don't forget to go. Lots of interesting stuff on there that you can get from hearing our show. Please come find us, follow us, listen, download, rate, and subscribe. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. 
clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.